Welcome to the Modern Enlightenment Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tom and Will Connect. Good day to you all, America. It is Tom and Will from the Modern Enlightenment. Welcome to today's program about our lovely government. Sit back, relax, and strap on a good one because we're in for a bumpy ride. Will, let's get started right away with today's thought of the day. Well, uh, it's cool that we're talking about the government today because because on this day, um, I believe 230 years ago, the um, the Bill of uh, Bill of Rights was signed, which is uh, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about some of those ideas today. Uh, so it's kind of fitting that on the day of this recording, um, we're actually celebrating the anniversary of that date. Right, which is kind of funny, Will, because, you know, Thomas Jefferson, who wrote the Constitution, said the Bill of Rights was not necessary. He said the Constitution told the government what the government's job was, and that's the whole job of the government, to just do what it says in the Constitution. But there were a couple of folks, particularly a Virginianite by the name of Mason, who said, no, no, we need to actually specifically articulate what people's rights are so that we know what the government should not be infringing upon. So those first 10 rights for all Americans, known as the Bill of Rights, I think are super, super important. In fact, they're the most legislated uh, pieces of of law in the entirety of the United States. Um, You might know the Bill of Rights will, but I wonder if all of our people out there do. Um, And if you don't, go back to school, research, learn, because y'all, you might be having your rights infringed upon constantly and you wouldn't even know it. Yeah. Well, you know, if I had to, I'm not uh, too up to date on the demographics of our listening audience, but have you seen those videos where the guys go up and and ask college students, you know, these questions like who won the civil war (laughs) and, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of, um, you know, it's it's shocking. Let's just Which, say that. You know, just goes to show our founding fathers had this idea of an informed populace. We had to be educated so that we could take effective uh, measures to control our governing structures. Since we, the people, are responsible for giving the power to the government in the first place. That's what the original Enlightenment was all about. And that's why we live in a democracy, a democracy where people get to vote based on their own knowledge and opinions. But if you don't know anything, how do you know that what you're voting for is the right thing? Exactly. You could just be uh, doing whatever you think is cool, trying to fit in with the wrong crowd. It could be really trendy. You know, there could be some catchphrases like, you know, we should have social equality. Absolutely. That sounds so catchy. You could be getting influenced by a meme. You most definitely could. Or somebody on TikTok who's just randomly ranting about something might make you say, oh, my gosh, what? And what do you do? What do you do when you get that information, Will? You have to be skeptical. Skepticism. Look look into it yourself. But we'll we'll, uh, touch on that. Now, um, Will, we we live... We do live in a democracy and it's the best democracy on the planet. Not only was it the first like real democracy ever since the days of the Athenians, but the United States of America set the forefront of democracy for the rest of the world. 
Would you agree that this is the best nation in the world? Hands down. Absolutely. Which is why there are people flocking here all the time, trying to get, trying to quote, live the American dream. Absolutely. And what makes this nation so great is that the people in this nation make this nation great through their willingness to, to speak about what they think and feel, to have their speech heard, to have their opinions heard, and to be able to have those ideas and facts validated with honesty and integrity, not political ideology, but instead with honesty and integrity to determine what is the actual truth. I think that's what makes America great. Will, what do you think? Well, absolutely. Um, You know, the last thing you want is uh, someone telling you how to think and what to do. And, um, you know, in this country that that's uh, where we're we're hopefully never going to be there. Um, although there are, uh, it's, it seems as though there would be um, some folks out there who would very much like to, to, have, an, uh, to, to have a strong grip on, uh, you know, firmly controlling the thoughts, actions, and behaviors of the general population. Yeah, and so the difference here becomes making sure that we as people in the United States know the difference between democracy and socialism and communism. Will, can you help us out here? What, what's socialism? Right. So, you know, in, in essence, socialism is a, uh, you know, it's a system where they're trying to encourage the citizens to cooperate, where the citizens are going to communally own the means of production of goods, goods and services. Um, basically there's a decentralized government that's going to manage everything, but each person, uh, benefits from and contributes to the system according to their needs and ability. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like this, Hey, we're all on the same team working together towards, towards a common good, which, you know, don't get me wrong is a very noble idea. Um, it's the cornerstone of um, Scandinavian, several Scandinavian nations like Denmark, Finland, Iceland, Norway, Sweden, um, which adhere to uh, socialist policies, basically combining free market capitalism with extensive public works, comprehensive welfare state, um, high percentages of unionized workers. Um, But Will, the catch here, the catch here is that people are contributing and then they're getting something back based on what and how much they contribute to the society. Is that correct? You got it. You got it. Does, this... does socialism mean that I get to sit home and chill and just get a free paycheck in the mail from the government? No, no, not at all. You're still, oh, you're still, okay. you're still supposed to be doing something for the greater good. You're, com- uh, you're actually improving the community that you live in somehow, and you're being recognized and provided. You got because it. Because of what and how much you participate in the community. Yeah. Yeah. Now this approach, um, this is, this is actually kind of like essentially a combination of communism um, with, with private, with the private ownership and competitiveness of capitalism. So they're, they're trying to kind of blend uh, these two ideologies together. Has anyone tried socialism before Will and how did that go? Uh, Well, you know, um, like I mentioned, it, it, it's still uh, more or less in effect in um, in several 
Scandinavian countries, uh, you know, to this day. Um, and I think that, that, you know, there's exceptions, you know, we won't say there's um, exceptions to rules and, and whatnot, but it, it could be that these are, are societies, people that, um, you know, recognize the, uh, what what they need to do there everyone's contributing and doing their part and so these sort sorts of uh, and, and they're smaller uh, populations um, you know comparatively speaking to say the United States or you know uh, other massive uh, countries so these might work a little bit better um, when these populations are small um, but that being said you know there, there have been um, times when it didn't quite go so well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a reason why the United States um, uh, isn't quite, you know, isn't really, uh, isn't really there. But Basically, there are there are times when it's failed. You had countries like Israel, India, the the UK, at one point have had a, tried to adopt socialism as an economic model uh, following World War II. Um, you know, it, it was a huge, it was you know a blunder for uh, those particular countries because you're you're assuming that a system can make a better decision for the people than they can for themselves. Um, and, yeah. you know, more or less the hardcore socialism has failed in, in every country where it, where it has been tried. So, you know, when I talk about these Scandinavian countries that um, sort of have a quasi-socialist model, it's not, um, you know, uh, hardcore in the sense that... Um, you know, from the Soviet Union to to Israel, India, the UK, um, where where it, they they gave it a shot and ultimately it failed. Yeah, and what's important to put out is is kind of a really good analogy. So, in socialism, if it's all about cooperation, let's just ask this: if the government wants to help, say, hey, we're going to have really awesome cell phones. And we're going to support this one entity of making cell phones. Um, and everybody's going to cooperate to make the best cell phone. Is there any reason for that cell phone to improve over time? Ultimately, the answer is no, not really. Yeah. yeah. Because there's no competition. So if all I need to do is make the most basic standard cell phone that the most basic average person can, can get to fulfill the need of what a cell phone can provide. There's no additional incentive or there's no additional drive to help promote and encourage a more robust development or innovation, thus limiting the overall effectiveness of the economy. You got it. And, and what happens is, um, you know, as populations increase, not to mention you, you're trying to keep up with overseas competition, mm -hmm. um, you know, all, it, with this type of model, what you see are, are um, you know, steady declining economic growth, um, rise, rises in unemployment. Um, and, you know, when you turn to a more capitalist model um, and have a, a free market uh, with a capitalist model, 
you you ultimately see a, um, a resounding result in prosperity. Uh, so uh, this is this is essentially uh, why it's it's failed and been eradicated uh, for the most part in favor of a uh, capitalist democratic model. And additionally, the male major idea of socialism is to create social equality through some semblance of redistribution. But Will, if I'm going to increase taxes on the wealthiest people, and those wealthiest people are also the people who own businesses, are they going to continue to charge the same low price for goods? Well, you know, someone's got to eat the cost. And how, so if I'm a rich person who controls the manufacturing of all these things, but I have to pay more taxation to the government, I'm probably going to increase my, top, my costs so that I can still grow my business. Yeah. Otherwise, my business is going to slump. And that's the basic economic impact of socialism on an economy. No matter what you say, people acting selfish and greedy by nature will choose to do whatever they can to preserve their own best interests mm -hmm. instead of cooperating. And so there's this huge mentality that we need to be cooperating in a socialist economy. And yet it's designed to implode upon itself. Right. Now, how's that different from communism, bro? Well, um, you know, the, the two are seemingly um, uh, linked in, in one sense. Uh, you know, communist is more of a, uh, a centralized form of government that's led by a single party um, that's often authoritarian in its rule. Um, that's fancy and, words for there's only one dude in charge and they get to do whatever they want, right? Yeah, you got it. Um, the German philosopher Karl Marx um, mainly inspired this ideology. And um, essentially, the communist uh, states replace private property and uh, profit-based economy with public ownership and communal, communal control of economic production. Um, so, so citizens are basically part of a classless society that distributes goods and services as needed, which, uh, you know, so it's brutal. That sounds brutal. like I'm only, I'm only going to get just enough to survive and I don't get to own anything for myself either. So no. if somebody wants to come and just crash in my pad, they get to just move in whenever they want to. And I don't get to be a part of that. Yeah, it's it's brutal. It's um, real world. Sounds pretty terrifying. Yeah, real world examples. Yeah, the Soviet Union, of course, was a one party com communist state um, from 1922 to 1991. Um, I, I can remember being uh, young when you know they they tore down the you know the wall in in uh, Germany, and then of course when when uh, you know communism communism and stuff took a dive in uh in russia um but um you know the crazy thing is will i agree and i remember seeing ussr on the map and you couldn't even see where the rivers were in russia because of the iron curtain and then all of a sudden the ussr disappeared and it said russia and there were all these cities on the map like the next year in elementary mm -hmm. school and i was thinking to myself wait where did that come from i thought it was named something different yeah yeah now today in today's world we still do have some countries that are um, governed by this um, ideology, um, essentially re retaining a single party Marxist-Leninist rulership. Um, these would include Cuba, Vietnam, People's Republic of China, um, 
North Korea. Laos, I believe. Well, actually, North Korea is even worse. Um, I just uh, saw we, an article, you know, about North Korea saying Kim Jong-un publicly assassinated seven people in North Korea for watching K-pop. Oh, it's brutal. Now, you know, with Korea, we're kind of, we're kind of moving on to another mode of thinking. We would, we would consider Korea um, totalitarianism, which is an authoritarian form of government in which there's a ruling party, uh, which recognizes no limitations whatsoever on its power. Um, and, and, that's, and that's including in its citizens' lives and rights. Um, so a single figure usually holds the power, retains authority, um, and, and, they, and this is done through widespread surveillance, um, control over mass media, intimidation. It's no freedom of speech. Uh, it's no brutal. freedom of the press. So no, that's, no right to bear arms. Yeah, None of the Bill of Rights exists there. Oh, it's horrible. And this would be North Korea all, all, all day. And, and um, you know, there was a young girl who escaped from North Korea who was on the Joe Rogan podcast. And when she describes what her life was like, it is it is appalling. It is shocking. Um, and for whatever reason, the rest of the world is seems to be perfectly fine letting North Korea do North Korean things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, oh my gosh, it's, it's brutal. So the role of this government structure, Will, is to take care of its citizens, right? But it doesn't yeah. sound like North Korea really cares about its citizens. No, not at all. No, of course not. No, it's, and it's like we're blessed to be in a country where we, we have this ideology, this mindset that our government is supposed to be taking care of us. And since our government is supposed to be taking care of us, here's my question to cause all of you to have a uh, philosophical breakdown. Is the government taking care of you or are you supposed to be the one taking care of the government? Which way is it? Are you in control here or is the government in control of you? And the reason that I ask this is because there's a lot of information coming out in our modern day about questioning whether or not the United States is even a democracy anymore. There was a study done by Princeton and Northwestern University that says it's actually an oligarchy, meaning the rich people are in control. You got it. Of all of the laws passed between 1981 and 2002, 60% of the laws that were passed favored corporations. And 0% of the laws that corporations did not want passed, none of them passed. Whereas only 30% of laws that American citizens actually wanted to be passed, only 30% of them were passed. Whereas if the overwhelming majority of American citizens did not want a law to pass, still 30% of those laws were passed by Congress. It's shocking. So who's in charge here? And how do we get in charge? What's our role in the government? Well, I asked my students. I I teach 16-year-old kids. And I'll explain why I pulled my kids this this question. And in asking my kids this question, I'll tell you what the survey was. It was five simple questions. Number one, do you trust the government of the United States of America? Of those, 23% said never. And 62% said sometimes. So an overwhelming 85% of the kids that I teach barely trust the United States government at all. The next question I said, I asked them is, do you actually seek information about the government? which perhaps ties into whether or not they trust the government. And 18% never seek information of the government and 53% sometimes seek some information of the government with only a measly 7% of students looking for information about the government on a regular basis. 
Wow. I ask, I ask kids, where do they get their government information? You would, you would probably not be surprised that a total of 79% come from TV, radio, or social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very little information comes from family. Very little information do they get from school. And 5% of the students that I polled said they don't get any information about the government. Mm-hmm. How do you see yourself getting involved in the government? 67 or 41% kids, 67 of the kids I voted, said that they plan on voting. Wow. 42 kids or 26% said they don't want to get involved at all. Okay. That's over 25%, man. Don't even want to get involved. Protesting and running for public office were really very, very little uh, recognized. And only 6% identified messaging Congress as an option. Mm. Mind you, these are select all that apply questions, right? Sure. And then the last question, the last question that I asked. With the above answers in mind, do you control the government or does the government control you? And of the results, uh, over 50% of the kids that I teach, 52% said, it's a little bit of both. I vote for my representative or I would vote for my representative had they the right to vote. But the representative is going to do what they want to do anyway. Yeah. And that kind of took me aback. It just shows or that what the, the lobbyists want them to do or what the lobbyists want them to do, them to do. Exactly. Now, why do I, why did I pull my 16 year old students? I was reading a book um, entitled our broken elections. And in this book in 2019, a majority of house Democrats voted to lower the federal voting age from 18 to 16. And I had to wonder, are my 16 year old kids going to be the educated involved citizens that the founding fathers of the United States of America expected to be the people who voted in our national elections. And so I asked them those questions. You know, of these representatives in Congress, some of them, and I'll just name a few, uh, California Representative Adam Schiff, Maxine Waters, New York Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Michigan Representative Rashida Tlaib, and Minnesota Representative Ilhan Omar. These are some people who work in Congress today, who believe that 16-year-olds should be voting because of the existential crises they face in their normal life, they would be a quote-unquote dynamic voting force. Well, what do you think about that? Well, you know, um, let's focus on driving first. You know, <laughs> I mean, you got, you've got a 16-year-old um, that, uh, you know, has barely got, gotten over acne and hasn't even, um, isn't even old enough to fight for, for this country, isn't old enough to drink a beer and, um, and, and is, uh, not considered, you know, is not considered, is still considered underage when it comes to consensual relations between two people. Um, and, and now you want to, you want to thrust them into the process of, uh, electing officials, who are going to be uh, allegedly doing things on behalf of the people um, and keeping this country running. These are kids that don't even have a, uh, what even have what's close to considered a, f- a fully developed prefrontal cortex. They're easily swayed by emotions, um, impulses, and um, any number of other uh, uh, you know, things that young teenagers get uh, in, uh, persuaded by. And influenced by, and and now you're saying, yeah, sure, hop, hop on in line, and participate in this, in the political process. It just seems like we should just, fo- you know, let's just focus on 
driving in a straight line and, and uh, getting good grades. Um, Not and, to mention, Will, but what year did you actually take government when you were in school? Well, uh, you know, if I recall correctly, maybe that was my junior year high school. So maybe I was 17, 18. I mean, if, if I'm not mistaken, my curriculum didn't have that, um, that particular, um, coursework until after I was 16. Yeah. I was a senior in high school and, uh, I believe even now in the high school I teach, it's generally slated for 12th grade curriculum because that's the current voting age. Mm -hmm. So this type of a change has a lot of ripple effects that would have to be brought all the way down to our education system. That takes a lot of work. That takes years of planning and preparation. And to me, it feels poorly thought out. Um, well, maybe for, it's not poorly thought reasons. out. Maybe it's absolutely thought out. And only, only to benefit the party interested in making the change. You got it. You got it. And can, the purpose, the, the, the question then becomes, what's the benefit for the party it, it, unless the party wishes to be the one party leadership that you were describing earlier as it relates to socialism and communism. Yeah. And listen, you know, if you know, you're also talking about a, a, a demographic that really isn't paying taxes. Um, True. You know, and if you're not if you're not contributing to the government system, then why should you get to choose how the government system is? Bingo. You, you, you know, scram, leave this to the adults. So with this in mind, we have to make sure not only are the 16-year-olds who are listening today ready to vote when they turn 18, but we also have to make sure that all of us who are 18 and up actually know what the heck we should do to get involved in our political process. This is the modern yes. enlightenment. How do we as people get involved in politics? We can't sit back and let our government officials just go hog wild deciding whatever they want to do, picking whatever laws they want to pick, intentionally choosing to bypass laws that are already in existence which you hear about all the time, all the time, all the time, just just to use one. And I know it's a highly contentious idea, um, but in Harris County today, I heard a story about Lena Hidalgo, who is intentionally going against the uh, the new abortion law that was passed by Greg Abbott, um, saying that she's going to be paying tax dollars for citizens to be able to get housing and day and daycare for existing children so that they can be transported on the county's dollar in order to get an abortion. And wow. th this seems like it is a, a huge overreach of government in order to bypass laws that they think are not worth worthwhile having. And while I'm not saying that I endorse abortion or I don't endorse abortion, that's for you as a listener to decide on your own. What I am, what I do have a problem with is government officials choosing to either follow some laws and not other laws. What's the purpose of law if we can't have integrity behind the law yep. in which it's written? You got it. I mean, you know, if, if, um, if I just, you know, rock into Best Buy and take whatever I want, you know. Apparently break... that's legal in California. You can steal up to $900 and not face any charges. Unbelievable. But again, that's part of us being involved in the political system. And if we know what our representatives are actually doing and we know how to combat that, then we might have a chance at still having control in our government. But if we don't,
then it is in fact an oligarchy or worse yet that totalitarianism that you were referencing earlier mm -hmm. with regards to Korea, a government entity that does whatever they want to do without giving two, two licks about what you yeah. and I, the normal citizens actually have going on. Well, yeah, you'll, you'll either have an oligarchy, you could have an aristocracy. I mean, this is, it's, you know, not very different from an oligarchy, but it's a government where you have a small elite ruling class, um, basically the aristocrats, which have power over those in lower socio socioeconomic um, strata. So, um, you know, yeah, your education, your upbringing, your wealth, you, you know, if you're in the cool kids club, you get to be you get to be a part of the people calling the shots. Look, and, and I refuse, bro. I refuse to let anybody call any shots for me. I'm not going to let Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or, or any of them, you know, regardless of their brilliance or potential or their, their economic success, yeah. it's, it is not their responsibility to tell me what kind of medical treatment I have to incur. Mm -hmm. It's not their job to tell me what kind of religious services I get to attend or not attend, regardless of a pandemic happening in the world around me. Like, that's not what the role of government is. The government is supposed to protect us, not necessarily from ourselves, but from society itself and to protect us from government. That's what the government's for. Right. You know, it used to be we were, um, you know, it used to feel as a country that we were all united in a, in a common purpose. And the government was here to... Uh, protect us certainly from would-be uh, in outside invaders that would that would like to do us harm and thwart our progress. Mm -hmm. And it feels like ever since you know you, we've had we've we've still had these wars over the years, which are uh, which are are ridiculous. You know when you go back and look on any of the wars that have happened, they're ridiculous. But the it seems as though there's the there doesn't seem to it seems like they gravitated towards this notion of invasion invading other countries uh more so back in the day than than they do now now we're we're kind of geared towards letting people do their thing and trying to get along um globally but uh you know when it's amazing what what the attack uh, you know on Pearl Harbor did to the United States as a country when we had outside invaders come in and and um, and, and literally attack us uh, you know on American soil and now that we don't see, seem to have these threats from uh, from without we are just kind of floundering about within um, without any real goal to unify us as a country. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like as people, we're trying to find reasons to create change and we don't necessarily need the change in the first place, or we're hastily making a decision to change something without thinking through the, the, the consequences. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's just to say, We've recognized on this program the problem, and the problem is hypocrisy. It's a lack of ethics. It's a lack of morality. It's a, a lack of humility. And when you have those characteristics manifesting themselves in your government, 
that is a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe disaster. for corruption. And I yep. think we see the corruption in our lives and we don't know what to do about it. So let's get to the meat and potatoes. What do we do? What do we do, man? Will, what do you think is the most important thing we should do as people to combat a corrupt government? Ooh, well, <laughs> you know, you, you, you do have to be informed, um, know what these different representatives are, are voting for and against. And, um, and understand what the results, uh, you know, pay attention to what happens as a result of these laws being passed, these bills being passed. And, and you know, you hear it all the time, we have to drain the swamp. Uh, we do. And some of these career politicians, they shouldn't uh, be allowed to stay in office as long as they are. You know, we have term limits for the presidency. Why, why are there not term limits for other um, uh, their positions in the government? Um, mm -hmm. e even, um, you know, and I'm talking about be being in the government at all. You know, you get to, you get to work as a government, uh, you know, as a politician in a high-ranking political office for X number of years, and then you're done. You get to, yep. you, you are removed from the system. You Go don't have any say in it, and, and you're done. So, you know, there's, there's, there, there needs to be uh, something because these, these politicians are the, are the problem because listen, you'll, we say, we see people all the time that we look up to that we think are intelligent, well-spoken, articulate, charismatic, good leaders have good heads on their shoulders, good values, morals, ethics. And we say, why doesn't someone like that run for president? Whoa, man, why can't we get this person right here to run for office. And you know why? Because nobody with the, it, it, nobody in their right mind would ever want to be president of the United States. It used to be something that was a noble position to hold. And, uh, and, it, and it was, you know, being in politics and in the public eye was something that ca carried with it a lot of esteem and, and respect. And now, quite frankly, um, with the exception of a few, and even the few politicians that are, are aren't so as skeezy and sleazy as the others, it's still they're still kind of cringeworthy. And quite frankly, you know, I, I, I'm not. I would never want to subject myself to being in the public so, eye. To so that what regard. you're saying, the only way we're going to get out of it is if a sacrificial lamb, as it were, to use the phrase, were to run for office, knowing full well that they would be like committing political suicide and then completely upend all of the politics in order to establish a more uh, corrupt free government structure. Because Will, the only people who are gonna change term limits on senators and congressmen men and women are the men and women in Congress themselves. Yep. They get to yep. choose it. They get to write their own paychecks. They get to yep. choose how long they stay in office. So it's gonna take an executive order or it's gonna take something else. And that has to be, you know, that's not going to be a very popular thing for the people who then have to pass the laws that promote the president's agenda. Right. Right. So, you know, it seems like if you want to hold political office, there should be some sort of, you know, psychological evaluation, um, a standardized test there, there, you know, we have to, we have to give this, this, um, you know, put, put the, all these, 
candidates through some sort of rigorous testing and um, and background and vetting process yeah. to make sure that they're fit for office. Right. Um, I mean, it's just <clears throat> you you've got you you either have you either have one one on the one end of of the spectrum you have somebody a megalomaniac. Uh, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, you have a, uh, you know, a senile with a, you know, who can barely get a cohesive statement out. And like, yeah, what, what is really going on here? Yes. Really? And, and they're being propped up by, by a lot of money. And I think oh, money yeah. is a horrible influence in all of this. You know, lobbyists used to not be able to contribute an unlimited amount. And now corporations can contribute as much as they want to, as much as they want to, an infinite amount of money to political campaigns in order to help promote a presidency. You know, we got to get rid of, we, there's, there's a lot of conflict of interest as well um, yeah. in the, yeah. in the system, um, you know, and, and so, right. When you've so, got, yes, go ahead. I was just going to say, oh, when, when you've got corporations donating so much money and you have a, and the government, which is supposed to be, you know, writing, legislature that's supposed to protect the people and yet you still have companies like mcdonald's serving toxic meat product you know right. food to people and and preservatives and stuff oh geez come on Which like what for concern the, yeah you know i think that what's crazy about all this will is that people have an opportunity to do something about it not just by getting involved, not just by becoming, you know, that sacrificial lamb who goes into politics and uproots it all. But if that, if you want to be that person, please do. Like we need it. Uh, the American people needs people who care about America first. They need people who are in politics that care about what the, the rule of law for the protection of society, not for the, you know, filling individuals pockets with money, not for your own corporate gain, mm -hmm. but instead for the good of the actual regular Joe. And, and to have somebody who actually ran and acted as the founding fathers did, who fought the corruption of the British Empire, um, that's what we, we would benefit from the most. But if you don't want to run for president, there's still a very easy way to get involved. And, and I hate to say it, and it sounds cliche, but for the love of God, know who your congressmen and women are and send them information that matters to you. Yep. You know, I'm thinking... I'm thinking of, uh, of some local representatives here in Harris County who have been in politics for over three decades. Yeah. And yet the parts of town that they represent are just as bad as they were three decades ago. Well, Terrible. what are you doing? What are you doing for your conglomerates to help yeah. improve the quality of life of the people who live there? Because yeah. you're not representing them if their quality of life is not changing for the mm -hmm. three decades that you're in politics. Yeah. You know, you know, and, and this goes right down to uh, entities that control things like school boards. Uh, and, 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 you know, you, you have an entire board of people that may that call the shots for what is going to be taught in schools, you know, curriculums and so forth. And I know you as a teacher are very familiar with this sort of thing. But, you know, you have to, anybody that's that's elected to serve a purpose. To, to provide um, guidance and leadership for the people, for the better good of society in whatever, in whatever capacity needs to be held accountable. And yeah. you, 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 see, you see these clips all the time from these school board meetings where people go up to, to speak to the school board about 
some of the, the decisions they've made that's impacting their, their flesh and blood, their own children, who they're entrusting to these individuals for psych, you know, intellectual, um, emotional development. All, you know, you, you, you throw the kids out to these people and, and trust that they're going to come home having learned something and, and uh, improved in a way that's going to better, uh, better prepare them for the, the, their lives ahead in this world. And then when these people aren't, are making these absolutely ridiculous, and a lot of times you follow the money and then you know why the school board is doing what it's doing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 no, it's no joke that the uh, current uh, attorney general for the United States of America's son-in-law is creating the uh, classroom teaching materials for critical race theory yep. that are being promoted by the Democrat Party right now in the United States of America. No oh, wonder, yeah. no wonder the Attorney General of the United States of America also asked the FBI to investigate the parents you were just talking about, Will. Yep. The parents who are going out and saying, "You don't need to teach this to my kids." It, that that's to me that is shocking. It's an overreach of power. It's corrupt as heck, and. You know, why here, here's my problem ultimately, and it's why I think people are losing faith in the justice system as well. What is happening to combat that type of corruption? Mm-hmm. We as the people have to stand up. We yeah. have to use our voice somehow. And whether that's peaceful protest, please, I'm not asking you to become violent. We don't need to set the entire city on fire as they did during the BLM movement protests or Antifa yep. riots. That's not what I'm talking about. That yep. doesn't create change. That creates divisive fragmenting of society. Martin Luther King Jr. was a very strong advocate for peaceful protests, and it caused huge growth in the civil rights movement in the United mm-hmm. States of America. Let's take a book, a lesson from history, and actually implement wise actions that unite us under a common identity, which, as we mentioned earlier in this program, is, is lacking. Americans yep. don't know what it means to be American anymore. And that's the scariest bit of it all. And how, how can we get involved? Number one, you already said it, but Will, we got to learn. We have to go and inform ourselves. Don't trust what you hear on the mainstream media. You can listen to it, but then fact check it on your own. Mm-hmm. Don't trust their independent fact checking because they're going to just fact check with the data that supports their own argument. And the or second thing. right lie to you. <laughs> please, please don't vote straight ticket. Yeah, don't there's, ticket. there's more than just a Republican and Democrat party in the United States of America. There are other party members and they might actually be more in line with your personal way of thinking. So do your own research into what's going on in a, in a, in a ballot. Yeah. And, 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 you know, not to interrupt you, I, uh, but, you know, we talked last week about resigned passivity and, and this is, this is, you know, if you're voting straight ticket, <laughs> This is what a what a lazy approach to voting. You know, you know, you know, you don't you take you can write down a cheat sheet of these people's names, find out about them, what they stand for, what what their what their agenda is, take it in there with you and then scroll through, take the extra couple of minutes to go through, you know, line by line and pick the right person. You know, we're not picking horses for a horse race here. You don't go exactly. on, on on the on the name. You know, just you actually or how, have to how know. attractive they are or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. I've had friends, Will, who were like, oh, I'm going to vote for him because he's handsome. Oh, come on now. Right. 
Yeah. Is that handsomeness going to help us whenever we become uh, the targets of, of a communist attack? Or... Well, it sure as heck isn't getting us more views on this podcast. Doggone it. And, <laughs> you know, it, it, and it's funny because we, we want to make sure that the world becomes a more appropriate, livable place for all of us as humans. And the only way we can do that is by choosing to get involved. You've got to get involved in the world in which you live. It's, it's exactly what you just said. Give up the concept of resigned passivity and choose to be intentionally invested. I want to go and learn to improve the community I live in. I want to go and vote for the people who I think are best fit to rule this community. Not because of what my mom or dad told me. Not because of what my teacher at school told me. Not because of what I hear on the news. But because of what I actually feel is actually true based on my own personal beliefs. And what I believe is the most appropriate interaction. Using, using logic, reason, and a healthy amount of skepticism yeah. about the current political status of the United States of America. You know, you know what, I, you know, tell me what you think about this and this I'm, I'm going off script here because I'm brainstorming out loud, but what if, it, you know, instead of um, the actual name of the candidate, imagine if you, if there was, if there were a voting um, process where you went in and instead, and it was kind of like they gave you, two nameless descriptions. Candidate A wants to do this and believes we should do this and that and yada, 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 yada and promises to do X, Y, and Z. Candidate B says this, this, and this, and this and believes that yada, yada. And so instead of knowing a name and knowing um, and, and having some picture associated, kind of like if you're the, if you're the conductor of an orchestra and you're trying to find the best first chair violinist you're hiding behind Behind a screen a screen you don't see anything all you do is you hear the music Mm -hmm. and what if there was some way to do that when you're in there voting for these candidates and it just had you know each candidate or or um you know uh had or, or crew right, writes down this thing and so now you're going in there reading what they stand for and what they do and sure it might take a little bit of time but yeah. you can actually pick the one that that gels most with with what you where, where you're at as far as where the the country and the city or the the government it's called vote, voting on principle. That's what it's yep. called. Voting on you principle. You got it. That and, would actually be a exactly. really interesting experiment to conduct and see how it, I would how love it plays it. out. Yeah. I would love it. Uh, create a, a side-by-side comparison and you just put the dot next to the one that you agree with and that generates your ticket or yep. whatever. Um, yep. I think that's brilliant. Um, I also have to go on the book saying, y'all, we're not all going to agree. And, and we have got to stop blaming other people, calling them ignorant or ridiculous or stupid or whatever, just because you have a disagreement, yeah. right? We, we can choose to not agree politically, and that's okay. That's yeah. why we all get to vote. But to go out and criticize others based on their ideological beliefs or to, worse yet, completely remove their media from the internet based on their ideological belief is ridiculous, there is no amount of sanity in that. And when I hear commercials saying Facebook wants the United States government to get more involved in regulating content on Facebook, all I can hear is so that the government can choose what you hear even more so than they already do. Well, listen, let's, let's be clear. Um, you know, the world, quite frankly, 
could probably be an even better place without Facebooks and Twitters and and oh, completely. And, and all this sort of stuff. Um, you know, now you ha- now now we've got this what started off as kind of a fun little tool and a way to stay in touch with people you care about um, has turned into this this form of uh, has turned into something that be manipulated and exploited censored taken advantage of and we're seeing it happen right before our very eyes and you know why it's because they know that the people uh, that the average american the average uh, you know human being on planet earth is dare i say addicted to social media there's everyone's always like oh, i'm never gonna i'm turning off my facebook i'm getting off this stuff and then you know you, you next time you're you're in the bathroom having an md aka morning dump you're in there and you're looking at your facebook you know and and it, and it's just you get sucked right back in um it takes a person of great will and fortitude to say look i'm not going to have this stuff r- rule my life and um and to use not. it perhaps for its original purpose of Correct. staying in touch with your friends, of promoting positivity, of encouraging one another and so forth. You know, it's become too easy to hide in my bedroom and to hate and slam and troll people on social media because I don't necessarily agree with them. And I have this built up security of you can't do anything about it because I'm hiding behind my computer screen. And unfortunately, that's bleeding out into the world around us. You know, it's part of the cancel culture that we see happening around us. Um, and, and whereas in some instances, it's appropriate. In other instances, like, come on and get a grip. Let's, let's wake up to the reality that we are all different. And we need to, instead of being closed-minded and ignorant of each other's viewpoints, practice listening, which is part of the solution. Practice listening to one another. Humble yourself to the fact that you might be wrong. Right. And more appropriately, Make a change if you realize that you were wrong. Yep. Actively choose to make that change. Yeah. You know, so, so to, to just sum it up, y'all, our government is exactly what we want it to be. And if we want to practice resigned passivity, then our government's going to control every aspect of our life. Yep. Our government is also capable of changing and it can change very fast. And yeah. it's our responsibility to get involved, to get informed and to get active by communicating, reaching out to our congressmen and women. And if they're not listening to us, vote them out of office as get fast as you there. can. Get, get them, them out, out of there. Because that's where your voice is the strongest. Yep. Uh, Will, uh, I'm going to end on some good news. Yeah, good news time, everybody. Got some good news here. So uh, I like this article. I was reading it on Board Panda. It uh, says these are the 40 of the best things that happened in 2021. You know, we're getting towards the end of the year. Right. And right. among these, I, I found one particularly interesting to stop illegal fishing using uh, net fishing. An Italian artist dropped a whole bunch of sculptures in the sea so that it would be make a physical barrier for nets. Uh, and a haven for underwater life. I thought that that was okay. pretty clever. That yeah, was pretty that clever. is cool. Very cool. Additionally, regarding aquatic circumstances, the Great Barrier Reef has a burst of new coral babies, which is amazing. This is wow. after several years of bleached events. Um, it's great to know that the Great Barrier Reef is recovering and growing and doing all of that um, awesome stuff. Rhinos 
did not get killed at all in the last year, in the year 2020. No rhinos were lost to poaching in 2020 in Africa. There was an 11% increase in the number of rhinos. And in addition to that, another fun fact is pandas are no longer an endangered species. Wow. Pretty cool. That's great. That is very good news. I can remember, I can remember there's, you know, a few um, trips to the zoo I've had over the years and uh, I always got particularly tickled to see the pandas. Yeah. I I mean, what, what really cool creatures. The last one I'm going to drop on you is this is a cool story about a guy who in 1979 at age 16, his name was Jadav Payeg. He started planting a tree every day in his region of India. He did this for the next 40 years and has created a forest by himself larger than Central Park, New York. Get out of here. Yeah, he just went and planted a sapling every single day. Like, amazing. There's 40 of these. That's great. That is awesome. It's wild. That is so cool. It's like, where do you get all those saplings? Hey, you know what? It doesn't matter. The dude's doing something about it. Yeah. He's trying, you know, India is one of the worst polluted places on the oh, planet. It's brutal. We're, we're spending yeah. a lot of money to help them get their act clean up, which is a point of contention among some people. But nevertheless, yeah. it's definitely necessary. Get those trees growing. All right. Exactly. Um, so, so it's really cool. There's 40 of them. They're amazing. Um, Spain has announced plans to ban single-use plastic wrap for fruit and vegetables as of 2023. I guess they're trying to cull all the plastic that ends up in the ocean. Love that. The UK city of Leicester Le- is installing a new network of B-bus stations. 30 bus stops will uh, have a mix of wildflowers to encourage pollination for the, our bee friends in society which is cool. So uh, again, you know, the world does have a lot of good stuff going on. I highly recommend y'all check it out. Y'all can go see this article at boardpanda.com. And um, Will, I just got to say, bro, I I really enjoy having this moment with you. And I know that as crazy as things might feel with our government, that we have hope and promise because of people like you and me and the listeners of this show. Yep. who are going to go out and make a difference in the world. Absolutely. And so for that, we thank you and um, everyone listening out there. Uh, we're, we're about ready to wrap it up. As always, guys, we are available out on Spotify. Search for the Modern Enlightenment podcast as well on YouTube. We are on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Um, search for the Modern Enlightenment podcast where you will be able to find our link tree with links to our content on Spotify and YouTube, as well as our other social medias. Bro, as always, it's a pleasure. Um, boom. Doing the podcast with you. And uh, we will be back again uh, in, a, in a little while, maybe in a few days next week sometime. And do we have any teasers for what's going to be on yeah. that episode? So we're getting close to the Christmas season. So I felt it was appropriate for us to take a good look at our ethics and morality by discussing a little bit of religion in our okay. next episode of the modern Very enlightenment. Very re- religion and, and spirituality. Yes, indeed. Sounds great. So we look forward to y'all joining us. Also feel free to send us a line comment on all of our different social medias. Email us at gmail.com or the modern enlightenment at gmail.com. If you have a question or concern to add to the program, please send them our way. We'll be sure to shout you out uh, when we address your idea on here. All right, bro. I will see you next time.
catch y'all on the flip side.